Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's ways and God's deeds. We're doing a sermon series about swords and seeds. And we talked about how Moses, the Bible says in Psalm 103, knew God's ways. That means the character and the ways that God thinks and he does things, the principles that God operates within. Moses knew God's ways, but the children of Israel just knew and saw God's deeds, which actually were often done through Moses, not always, but often Moses would understand God's ways, God would speak to him, and then miracles would happen. And the children of Israel never saw all that was going on behind the miracle, they just saw the miracle. And as a result, they were the poorer for it. They easily strayed into sin. When they were confronted with enemies, they didn't have the courage or the faith to move in and overcome for God because they had only known the, the veneer, the outward signs of God's power, and they hadn't seen God's ways. And we spoke about, spoke about how Moses went up the mountain, spent so much time with God. He wanted God's presence with him. And God spoke to him face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And Moses wrote down the first five books of the Bible. And today I want to continue with that theme. But today I want to now talk about God's seeds and God's swords. And so at the start of the sermon, I'm going to talk about God's seeds. And the idea behind this is that at the beginning of creation, when God decided amongst him, the Son and the Holy Spirit, the three of them together said, three in one decided together, we are going to create something. We are going to make something. And we are then going to put creatures in it and man. And man is going to be in a close relationship with us. And we're going to see this thing of beauty created. When God started that off, the way that he did it was he decided to use a principle of seeds as opposed to the principle of him continually having to be involved. So let me explain that a little bit more. When God created the universe, he put principles in place. So those are the laws of nature and the laws of physics, the laws that we know that govern the way everything works. Chemistry, physics, biology, um, matter, time and space. Everything is governed by laws. God put those laws in place and he doesn't need to continue to make those laws happen because he put them in seed form and they continue forever. That's why it says in Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God rested. And yet, even though he was resting, he was no longer intervening and being involved. Even though he was not actively involved, the creation continued because he'd put enough in it to continue. So that's the seed principle. When he started it off, he did it in seed form for plants, for animals, for all the different things. He put seeds in place that could continue the amazing power of the creation without the creator having to get involved. And so we see the power. <coughs> and so we see the power of seeds at work. Recently, some scientists were uh, exploring in one of the pyramids in Egypt. They found some wheat seeds that had been buried with a dead pharaoh 4,500 years ago. And they said, I wonder what would happen if we planted these wheat seeds. They planted them and the wheat seeds germinated and came to life. 
the incredible power of a seed. Have you ever thought about it? God just had to make one seed with all the potential, with all the power of his life in it, with all the supernatural ability to make more and more life and to be governed by the rules and the, the extremely uh, clever and finely tuned principles that he's put in place. He put that in a seed and it continues for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, for generations. And what I want to do today is just look very briefly at the beginning, the first few verses of Genesis. And then I'm going to talk about how, because that original seed was perverted and damaged by human beings, we were part of that original seed. Human beings were part of God's big plan and picture for his seed. He said, I'm going to put principles in place. I'm going to put creatures in place. I'm going to put man as my delegated caretaker in place. And then I'm going to stay in constant communication with man and in a relationship with him and this whole system will work because my power is being released to the man he is looking after the creation all the principles work together and the seed will just continue but because one of the parts of that plan decided to break out of the plan man decided to go rogue and to go on his own way because of that the whole thing was thrown out of kilter have you ever seen it when a machine, a finely tuned machine, like an engine in a car, is running smoothly and then one little piece comes loose, maybe a little bolt on the end of a nut comes loose and suddenly there's just a clattering and a banging and things just start shredding and tearing and pretty soon you see that whole machine is just destroyed. That's what happened when mankind, the, the crucial part in this original seed plan, when mankind went off on his own plan, then suddenly the whole rest of the plan was affected. And so because of that, God needed to use swords. So this is the big idea. Seeds are the things that God put in place at the beginning, which are perfect, which have the power and life of God in them, which will last forever, which have an unending ability to reproduce and a supernatural ability to produce life forever. Seeds are the things, the principles, and the original plan of God that will never change. Swords are the things that God had to do afterwards because of man's sin and rebellion. Swords were God's interventions. Again and again, God got involved. And so we see at the end of Genesis chapter 3, God is speaking to man. And let me just read this to you. It's Genesis chapter 3. And it says... In verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? That relationship had been broken. God and Adam and his wife had been in constant communication and love together. But suddenly Adam and Eve had separated from God and God said, where are you? And then God started to explain the consequences, the, the damage to the machine that was now going to happen. And in verse 15, he's talking to Satan, the serpent. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, the devil and human beings are going to be constantly against each other as a result of this. There is always going to be a problem where the devil and humans are against each other. It says, between your seed and her seed. So God is saying, my seed principle will continue. People will have children. I'm not stopping the seed. God never 
stops what he's originally instituted. He just devises a way to fix it when we break it. And that's a very important principle, which I will talk about on another week. But he says, between your seed and her seed, there's gonna, God's going to use seeds to fix the problem. He's going to produce a seed from a, a human being. One of the woman's children, a seed will damage the devil and overthrow him. It says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then he speaks to the man and he says, thorns and thistles the ground shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you shall return. So God's original plan for seeds and plants to just produce bountifully has now been perverted and damaged by Adam and Eve's rebellion and so they have to work hard. There are thorns and thistles where before there used to be beautiful lush nature and food. Now Adam has to work hard to produce food out of the ground. And then in verse 21 it says, For Adam and his wife the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. So we see a sword coming in where God has to cut the skin off an animal. An animal dies so that Adam and Eve's sin and nakedness and shame can be covered. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So God puts a sword to protect the tree of life because if Adam and Eve had lived forever, had continued to have access to the tree of life and, and had been able to live forever with this broken machinery that they had caused, they would have completely ruined the whole of God's creation. And so God said there has to be an end point, but the sword was not a final judgment. It was a picture. The sword at the Garden of Eden was a picture that God was going to use a sword and a seed. Do you remember we said a seed of one of Eve's children would come through? And together the sword and the seed of Eve's would come together and pay the price for the sin that Adam and Eve had committed. And God would have brought a solution, would have brought a rescue plan to the earth. But now I just want to talk about these seeds very briefly. <clears throat> so there are five principles here. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. What is fascinating is that in the early 1900s, Einstein pro proposed that uh, time, space, matter, and energy are all related. That's why it was called the theory of relativity. Everything's related. And this little section in Genesis said, God made heavens and earth, that's matter and space, and he said, let there be light. Um, it's the energy and the speed of light. It's, it's the theory of relativity in the first three verses of Genesis. And what God did was he was instituting in the seed form at the beginning of creation. He was saying, I'm making space time. I'm making relationships between matter, energy, space, time, and I'm putting laws in place. You know, the last hundred years of science have seen such amazing 
progress where physicists and chemists and biologists and various others have been able to understand more of the way that God created the universe. In the 1800s, Darwin said um, everything is just cells just mutating over time and becoming different species. But now they've discovered that cells are so complicated, so, so complicated, that it, even the simplest of cells is so complex that it is impossible that it could have just sprung to life by itself. And that for species to change, um, if you want to look it up, there's a YouTube video called Mathematical Challenges to Darwin, where scientists and mathematicians say the, the probabilities, the mathematical chances of this are, are just remote and impossible. But scientists have also discovered that there are all these laws that God put into place that are so finely balanced and so perfectly in tune that have made it possible for life and for creation to exist, that if they were out by just the tiniest, tiniest portion, creation could never exist. And so nowadays, actually, scientists are realizing that creation looks like it's a setup job. There are so many quotes by scientists where they say it looks like somebody has been setting this up, has been monkeying with it to make it work. Fred Hoyle in the 1950s, um, the Big Bang Theory that has come up only in the last 50 years or so, where scientists previously thought creation has just always existed and always been the same. And now they say, no, there must have been a start where there was nothing and then a bang happened and there was something. And Genesis has said it all along. Space, time, earth, energy, all the interrelation, the laws, all the principles. So that's the first part of the seed is the physics of it. The, the laws of nature and the reason I'm saying this to you is I'm wanting to encourage you that the God who made the universe is with you and he wants to make a change in your life today. The second part of this seed was to do with um, relationships. <clears throat> so in Genesis 1 verse 26 it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish, the birds, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, I've given you every herb that yields seed. Um, for food. So God then started this relationship. He'd made the laws of nature. He'd also previously created the seeds of the, all the different um, plants and, and animals with life in them. But now he talks about relationship. And there are three parts to this. Number one is he makes man in his image, which means men have something of God in them. We have creativity, just like God created, we have creativity within us. We also have the ability to decide between two things. We have the freedom to choose. Just like God does, human beings can choose. And that's why God allowed Adam and Eve to choose against him. He didn't want to override their free will. When they chose to eat the fruit that they shouldn't have eaten, he said, part of the seed is man is in my image. He must have the freedom to choose. And the third way that we are like God is we share his mission. He said to Adam and Eve, you have dominion, you rule, you fill the earth, you subdue it. 
You tend the garden, you protect it, you keep it. There was God's mission. They were God's representatives, his delegated authority. It's a bit like if I go away on holiday and I leave my 19-year-old son at home, I say to him, son, you're looking after the house for the next couple of days. Make sure you feed the animals. Make sure you take out the, the garbage. Make sure you clean the house. And he is my delegated authority. And if anything happens, he speaks for me while I'm away. And this is very important that the seed principle of the Bible is that God put man in delegated authority over planet Earth. And when man gave that authority away to the devil, that's when swords needed to be involved, where God came in with different actions and reactions and he put things in place. You know, um, my father-in-law is very good at very many things. And one of the things he's good at is growing fruit trees. And I've watched him. He digs the soil. He puts fertilizer in. He plants a seed for a fruit tree. And then he starts to let it grow. And when it's growing, he's watching it carefully to see if it's growing straight. And if it's not, he puts a, a metal spike, a sharp metal spike into the ground. And he ties the, the young little sapling to the metal spike to make it grow straight. And while it's growing, he's watching it and often there is disease and sometimes he has to cut off part of the plant that is diseased. And at other times he cuts it and prunes it so that the life will flow to the fruit that he wants it to have. And then the last thing that he does is he sometimes grafts two different fruit trees together. So he'll plant the seed of a certain fruit tree and he'll watch it grow. And then he'll take a branch from another type of fruit tree. He'll make a cut in the, the trunk of the tree and he'll put a different tree in there. He'll bind it up and tie it together. And he's got a hybrid fruit tree where it's, it's producing a different kind of fruit, a mixture of the two. And I want to say to you that that's what God did with creation. He planted a good seed, but one of the moving parts in that was human beings and he gave them the ability to choose for him or against him but because they chose against him he didn't forget the whole project he didn't just collapse it up and say let's let's start again let's start afresh he said i'm going to work with them but i'm going to prune i'm going to cut off disease where necessary i'm going to put the law in place to keep them straight until the salvation comes the the seed of Eve, the Messiah. I'm going to graft them into me, to my living vine. And he prunes and he looks after us and he puts swords in place throughout creation until the time that Jesus came. And Jesus is the ultimate seed and the ultimate sword. He was killed by weapons, murdered so that we could be forgiven. And now that original seed is now put within us again. You and I, friends, are like fruit trees, as well as the whole of creation being messed up by sin. Each one of us is like a fruit tree. We started with an original design, a seed that was perfect, that was good. And you have the fingerprints of God all over you. But through generations of time and through man's rebellion and willfulness, we've gone astray. And so all sorts of problems have been brought upon us by our own decisions. But God keeps coming in. Sometimes he prunes. Sometimes he puts something to keep us straight. Sometimes he cuts something off, some problem. But eventually when Jesus came, he said, I am now going to put a new seed within you. A new seed within you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he has become a new creature or a new creation. 
The old is gone. All things have been made new. He's put a new seed within us. And that is the most amazing, amazing truth. Listen to this verse. It's from 1 Peter 1 verse 23. It says, you have been born again. Born again, friends. The earth was born when God put his first seed in place and you were born when you were born. But he says, now I put a new, I've done it again. I put a new seed in. It's a sword and a seed. But listen to what he says. You've been born again, not of corruptible seed. You see, the seed that we have in the world is corruptible. Even though it still has the fingerprints of God all over it, we can see the damage that sin has, has caused. So all the laws of nature are still functioning, but something's gone wrong. It's like you can see a beautiful picture and you can tell the artist was amazing, but somebody's come and smudged and messed it up. And, and so it doesn't quite look right anymore. And so when you go out into nature, I come from Africa, you go out into the bush and you see the beauty of nature and you, the beauty of a sunset over a waterhole and you see the perfection of a, of a young impala drinking at the waterhole and suddenly a leopard comes and kills the impala. And you say, what's going on? How, why is there violence? Why, why is there survival of the fittest? Why, why is there such damage and bloodshed and, and pain? And why is there cruelty and harm? Why are there earthquakes and, and all these different problems? And the reason is because it's a corruptible seed, because human beings have corrupted it. It's still, by God's grace, got so much of the original design in it, but it's been corrupted. But he says in 1 Peter 1 verse 23, you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, not of human genetics, not of the the, the seed of this world that has been damaged by sin. He says, you've been born again of incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You've been born again of incorruptible seed. You say, have I? How do I know if I have? How do I know if I've been born again by incorruptible seed? Let's just read Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. He says, By faith we understand that the worlds, in other words, everything we see around us and all of the universe and the planets and the galaxies and the laws of nature and physics and even our own bodies, we understand that the worlds were framed. God designed them by the word of God. It was God's word. And then it says, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And that is such uh, an interesting and important truth. It says that God lives and lived in a realm that's invisible, the spiritual realm, where the laws of physics and nature that govern our world do not exist. Time does not exist. When God started the world, it was of a different dimension and type of world. But God spoke from His eternal realm, His spiritual realm, where there is no time. God spoke His word and He created something physical, something perfect, something beautiful, with all the moving parts, including humans and free will. And we see that we messed it up. We see that God has intervened and pruned and helped all the way through. But then right at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, it says, John says, then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth. Do you remember Genesis 1? It says, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Revelation 21, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old things had passed away. And he talks about how God then says, I'm going to dwell with my people again. There's relationship again. It talks about how every tear will be wiped away. There's no more suffering or dying or sickness. All those perverted and messed up rules and principles have been fixed. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Um, God will be with his people. God is with us always at the end. God fixes it at the end. But 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There is a new part of you in the middle that already, please hear me now, already, because of the sword of God's word going into your heart, there is a new seed planted in you. We read in 2 Peter 1, he says, You've been saved by an incorruptible seed by the word of God. There is something perfect, something eternal, something that can't be messed up, something that is spiritual, and it's been put in the middle of you. And this verse in Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were formed, framed by the word of God from an unseen realm, an invisible realm, a parent realm, an eternal realm, a bigger and stronger realm that we can't see or sense or understand. But God spoke and this little world was made. And 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says some of that new realm, the, the end product is now in you. You are a new creation. You have that new seed within you. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because you could be confused. You could be going around the world and seeing pain and trauma and earthquakes and volcanoes and saying, God, what's going on? Is this your good creation? He says, I made it good, but I gave men free will and the ability to choose. You might say, God, I'm crying out for you to do something miraculous in my life. He says, the answer is not trying or crying. The answer is to get my seed in your heart, to get my word in your heart and to have a supernatural seed that produces life, that grows up in you and produces life. You might say, God, why did you do some of those things in the Old Testament with the sword where you had to bring the law or there was punishment or there was cutting off so many people in Noah's flood? And God says, you have to understand, I was pruning, I was helping, I was cutting away disease because the seed has to be brought out. You might say, I'm looking at the Old Testament and I, I don't relate to it. God says, you're of a new dispensation. You live in the New Testament where you have my supernatural seed within you, the eternal seed, the power. And just like those principles of gravity and all the different uh, natural principles and laws of physics existed at the beginning, they were perverted. God's put new principles within you, within that seed in your heart that are eternal, that can never be corrupted. And so that's why miracles can happen, because you have something inside of you that is linked to a supernatural realm. The relationships that were messed up because of sin, where Adam and Eve were hiding from God, you have an unfettered relationship in the middle of you with God and with other people. You can relate to other Christians because of the Spirit within us. That delegated authority that God gave to Adam and Eve and they messed it up and gave it away so easily, God says that's in you. You have a new seed within you, new authority. You can speak and pray and prophesy and see things change in the world around you. If we don't understand the difference between seeds and swords, we will be 
like the children of Israel who just saw God's deeds and they never understood God's ways. And we will be confused our whole Christian lives. But I want to say to you, there are some things that are seeds where God has put a seed inside of you and he says, let it grow, plant it, plant my word in there, water it and let it grow and watch it produce. There are other things which are swords where God says, use the sword of the spirit to fight against uh, the forces and principalities in the spiritual realms. There are, there are times where we have to pray and, and really use swords. There are times when we have to use actions and we become an instrument of God's, the troops of God's that are extending his kingdom. But to know the difference is so important. We want to be like Moses who knew God's ways and then did God's deeds. Daniel 11, those who know their God will be strong and will do great exploits. Father God, I pray right now for all of us that you would help us to understand, Lord, the difference between ways and deeds, to know your ways and to do your deeds. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the seeds that you have given us and that you've put within us and to embrace and, and read and accept your word so that it can produce a harvest in our lives and to understand when you want us to act like a sword. Father, I pray that you would help us not to cry out to you to do something when you've already done it by giving us the seed of power that's already in us and that will never change. Father, I pray that we would become like Moses, who know your ways and therefore do your deeds. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.